0: So you just blasted the trumpet before we hit record and you said I don't want to do it any louder cuz it'll wake Taylor up. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know how she's not awake from that. But have you been practicing trumpet? No. I have not.
1: I've too many things to do. I've been I've been jamming in the shop. I've been trying to put out, you know, a, a pretty solid video once a week that's what I've been doing and and as soon as I finish one I'm like, "Oh, I relax i'm like oh man i promised to do that oh i promised i put that promo in my vlog oh i forgot it and so it's like i've been non-stop editing and but I, today i get a little bit of time off it's a beautiful day yesterday we took the day off taylor and i we went canoeing for the second time which was Ooh. a lot of fun getting my technique down and the
2: canoe photos they're just they look so cool like just every time you go canoeing, post more photos because it, oh, yeah, the you videos, know, it looks so cool.
1: I had a camera running the entire time yesterday, so I didn't really stop to pull out anything yet. I haven't downloaded yet, but we had one of the uh, DJI's going the whole time. So there's oh, going nice. to be some beautiful footage. Right, the lake we go to, right up the road, is has uh, an American eagle nest in it. So while we were there, we saw two, maybe three, couldn't tell. But there's apparently there's a, quite a few there. American, you know, bald eagles, which is incredible. Because it seems like something you'd only expect to see in like Montana or Wyoming. But here they are in upstate yeah. New York.
0: You know, actually in Savannah, it's kind of weird. I didn't know that eagles would live down there. But when I was in college, they were going to build this bypass <clears throat> to get from one end of town to the other. And they were building it in sections. And they did the first section, and they went to do the second section and found that there was a bald eagle nest in Savannah like that far south just in the way and apparently eagles they only stay in a nest for like 2 years or 3 years or some some determined amount of time and then they move on until so the entire project just got halted while they waited for this bird to have its couple of years in that nest and then it moved on and then they were but I had no idea that they were that far north or south because I always think of them as being like up north out west you know mm-hmm. like that, but
1: pretty well no. It was funny. I'll tell you just a funny story. Jessie Combs, the, the young lady who died in a car crash last August, she came and spent a weekend here with me and Taylor. She wanted to get into learning about YouTube. So she's like, hey, can I come hang out with you guys? So she came and spent four days with us. And I was just given her insider tips on YouTube and whatever. But while her and I were alone going for a drive, she saw it on the side of the road. We saw one of those eagles from that lake because we were near that lake had no idea that they were there i only found this out just a couple of days ago but while i was with her we saw one of those eagles eating a, a deer and we were like Ooh. 10 yards away from it and i got some pictures of it and it was like unbelievable it was like hmm. crazy it was like it was like watching national geographic and i was just blown away that was the first time i'd ever seen that eagle up here i had no idea that they even were in new york state how big was it it Like from where I was, it looked like like from its feet to the top of its head it looked like it was six feet tall. I mean, it probably <laughs> was like four feet tall, yeah. but you know, it just looked huge. And then yeah. it saw us and flew away. But uh, it was just such a beautiful sight. And then now, now I know where they yeah. are. So if I ever wanted to go and do some nature photography, I can go and find them again. So that was That's that awesome. was our story yesterday. But yeah, no, I'll get on the trumpet soon. I know we have our big finale. You know when we're going to do our. <laughs> I'm scheduled to play at uh, making it 300. I got a Mexican hat dance live on the microphone. <laughs> That's so awesome. I'll be ready. I'll be ready for my, for making it 300.
0: We're going to have like the weirdest um, little talent show at that event or some event <laughs> where like I just get up and say something in Italian and you play two or three notes on a trumpet and then David drives a circle in his go-kart.
2: <laughs> like, <"Ta-da!"> <laughs>
0: <laughs> David, what have you been up to? Um, I don't know what I'm gonna do this
2: week. Dan is coming back tomorrow. Um, in Ohio, we're starting to ease our, our distancing. Um, um, Dan is healthy. I'm healthy. We're gonna wear masks. And, uh, I don't know what we're gonna film. Um, so we're, I'll, I'll figure it out tonight, but it'll be, I haven't worked with Dan in like five weeks. I don't know how long has this been. Five weeks, six weeks. But, um, it's really hard to find motivation when I'm by myself like there's plenty of things to make and plenty of things to shoot but I learned while shooting without Dan that I'm just not as productive and uh, and he just makes everything so much more e- easy and enjoyable so yeah, I'm looking forward to Dan being here so yeah, we'll figure it out and then we put out Oh, we put, I put out a base the base for the birdhouse video last week I shot it at the same time as the video as, a, as the birdhouse video and we just welded up a post and and uh, separated that into something, something a little bit different nice quick video I did not know that you could weld electrical conduit you can, it's just a little dangerous with the fumes and if you're looking for hmm. really cheap tubing, that is the way to go because like an 8 foot uh tubing piece of tubing like inch and a quarter tubing it's like 10 bucks so mm. just be careful welding the welding the zinc
0: i have a well ventilated area yeah but uh yeah i never the... even thought about welding that stuff i i don't know why but it's thin it's
2: so you can um burn through it pretty quick so just if you have the right settings and the and the right technique you can you can do a lot with it, and when you sand it, um, you're sanding away. It looks like you're sanding away the the zinc coating or whatever's on there, and it has. It's a really pretty looking metal once you once you sand the surface. So, uh, alternative material, which we'll talk about materials a little bit later. Yeah, I posted a photo of the go kart on Instagram, and that's the go kart that's ready to race. Lots of people thought that was the go-kart that I made and that is not. I didn't wasn't out to deceive anybody, but the the one I'm welding up is almost done. It's just not completely done. And then that one's going to get powder coated. And I don't have any clue on how much that's going to cost. So that might set back the that homemade go-kart a little bit a little bit further. But I'm ready to go. My racing go-kart, the old one is all painted, it's all fresh. I'm going to work on some on the body panels this week, but I'm ready to go. But we we're not allowed to race yet, which is I'm all for. I'm all for waiting and avoiding crowds and everything. But I'm I'm so ready to go.
0: The, the, Has there been any indication as to when when racing might come back? So the uh, we're, everything is dependent
2: on the uh, orders from the Ohio governor. So right now it looks like we'll be starting in June. And um it's these events they're not they don't bring crowds. there's not crowds of people. It's usually just the people racing and maybe somebody who's helping them out so and there's like between depending on the day in the race, there might be between twenty five and forty carts usually on the lower end of that mm. so it's not like it's not like a group of like two hundred people getting together, so I think you know we if everybody's safe and nobody's hugging and shaking hands and, and it's kind of like you're, you're, you're away from other people. So I think we'll be okay. And I think we'll be starting in June. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah.
0: Well um, I don't know what I've been up to this week. We've been, we're doing a bunch of stuff. I'm like pretty far ahead on videos, which is great, but it makes it weird to think about what I'm doing and what I've, what's coming out this week, you know, cause it's, it's offset by like a month, <clears throat> um, but the the garden beds that I've been talking about for a while those are coming out this week, and we planted those a couple of weeks ago. I made them, and then we had to wait a little while to get soil, and then we had to wait a little while to get plants because um, I wasn't confident enough to try starting stuff from seed this year. Yeah, just like it, it felt a little too risky, you know. To if we messed up the seeds, then we wouldn't have anything to plant. So I found a local. Um, uh, like a farm here that that sets up like a little tiny, tiny farmer's market on the weekends and it's all outdoors so you could just go there and kind of be by yourself and pick out the plants you want and everything. So that was kind of nice. So I ended up getting plants and planted them and now we're probably two weeks in, week and a half in to having stuff planted and it's like growing. <laughs> so I got like a, a garden that's not dead. That's pretty cool. Um, but anyway that video is coming out this week and uh, I've still been shooting stuff about myself and I'm not sure how long that'll continue we haven't really talked about when the guys will be coming back but it's kind of weird like you know there's, there's state orders and stuff but then there's also just the on top of that there's this reality of like who we are as people and who we interact with and how we interact like Anthony's wife is pregnant and having him come back to work to have some I don't maybe potential danger or something get transferred to her you know it's like none of the stuff is worth like running back to it we're doing all right being a part so I don't know how much longer we're going to end up working separately and um, but as of now we're just sticking to it so I'll have to start building something else this week it's been kind of weird though because I, I had several projects that were all not not tiny, but, you know, on the smaller side, on the simpler side of stuff that we typically do. And I've kind of knocked those out, and now I'm back to my list looking at my project list. It's like, oh, well, there's a big thing, and there's a thing that takes a lot of design, mm-hmm. and there's a thing that takes a lot of material that I don't have. And so I'm getting back to the the part of the list where things are going to take longer. And so my shooting by myself... um, productivity is going to probably drop a little bit here (laughs) but that's okay that's all right i'm I'm also trying to remind myself through all this stuff that like it's okay to not be hyper productive because there's just my nature and then there's also the you know stuff is kind of wobbly right now um and so like any any work i can do is just like financially setting us up to be okay and you know to keep on track and all that stuff and so there's this kind of internal pressure to, like, keep being productive, keep doing, keep doing, keep doing. And I do have to remind myself that, like, it's okay to not be super productive all the time. It's okay to have a week that doesn't produce multiple videos and doesn't produce this or produce that. Like, just, hmm. you know, I can, I can just be, <laughs> be okay and enjoy my kids and enjoy spring and enjoy being in the shop by myself and not actually do anything. Because I, I was walking around the other day after I finished this last project, looking at the shop and I was kind of looking at the things that are undone and there's always going to be that stuff. But do you remember like a month ago, I was like, Hey, yeah, I finally bought um, a DRO for the Bridgeport. It's still sitting in the box. (laughs) It's, it's like still over there. And that's like a whole, probably multiple days work worth of work that has to be prepped and done and figured out and all that stuff. And I just haven't even like I haven't even thought about it, honestly.
1: That'll take you two hours.
0: Oh yeah, oh well, two hours. That'll take. <laughs> I just haven't gotten to it. I haven't even, like I got the boxes in and opened, you know, looked in them. I'm like, oh cool, this is going to be fun, and then walked away. <laughs> 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 I haven't touched it since. But it's it's kind of you know stuff like that is not directly productive for me, so it just becomes not a high priority and it just sits over there. But I what I'm trying to say in this long way around is that I'm trying to get myself back into the place where like it's okay to not be productive and just to do the stuff that you want to do that you need to do to set up for something in the future And so this week I'll probably end up kind of backing off the schedule a little bit and, and doing some of that stuff But and just being outside it's beautiful outside the weather right now is perfect I need to be out in the woods walking around and stuff
2: doing Bob stuff
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. It's beautiful. It's been beautiful here. Saturday a little bit, then yesterday, and then today it seems like it's going to be a nice one. Finally. I mean, we need this break. It's a really it's really been kind of dampening to just every day. It's rainy and cold, and you know, we're already into yeah, May, and it still, still seems like it's still coming out of winter.
0: Um, well, today... We had an idea to talk about uh alternate materials. Is that kinda how we were framing it? Or what was the kind of description we came up with, David?
2: Non wood and metal materials. There you go. <laughs> yes. Non. <laughs> boring boring yes. title. But
0: Yeah.
2: Um yes. I'm going to be working with some sheets of ABS plastic this week and then um I'm working on some panels for the go-kart, and there's going to be two phases of this. The first phase is the panels that I'm going to make for the current cart. I'm just using, uh, I think it's ABS plastic, and I'm just going to heat it and, and bend it. For the new one that I'm making, for that I'm going to use fiberglass, where it's going to be a little b- more shapely. And um, I, I I put that project on the road. I just wanted to get some panels made for the current car, so I'm ready to go. And um, so I've bent, I've heated and bent plastic in the in the past, but I don't know a lot about it. I haven't done much research. But so if you guys have any tips on on bending plastic, I'd see Jimmy raising his finger.
1: Yeah, I tell you, when when we were kids, me and my brother. Got this genius idea when we were about 17 to make glasses. We were going to make sunglasses, and we cut out this profile in clear plexiglass, and then we we heated them up in the oven, and we went to bend them. And that was I'm just bringing that up because it was a really early lesson for me that when you heat up plastic, you want it to bend in X or Y, but when you heat up plexi (laughs) or ABS, it becomes like a wet piece of lasagna. It goes in every direction. It doesn't know what you want. So it's really important to have a form ready to lay it on. So if you, if you, if you're going to heat it up, uh, it's, it's really important to like make, make a structure that once it's heated and like a big wet spaghetti, then you lay it on there and then you, you form it into that shape. Because more than often when you want to bend it, unless you're going to vacuum form it, which means it's bent in every single direction at the same exact time. If you want to just like I said, bend on the x or bend on the y, you got to have something ready to lay it on. Or an interesting, an interesting technique. This just remind me. One of my teachers from school <clears throat> had this concept where he 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 said it wasn't his, but I learned it from him. You know the heat sealer oh, yeah. that you you would heat seal a, a bag with. You know, like you can get them from Uline, and they, they click and vibrate. You know they hum for a second while they get hot, and then they cool. If you take a sheet of styrene and lay it on. Like a like a piece of like o two o o three o and you lay it on the the heat sealer and you hold it and mm, hmm. you pick it up and you could bend it perfectly on that heat melted line yeah, so inter- that's a little probably too big for what i mean you, what you're doing is too big for that concept, but that's an interesting concept if you he would make these styrene boxes and he would heat and bend right on the line and fold all four sides. he had this technique where he was able to figure it out and it was um. It was just an example of how you want to bend plastic on a, on a specific line. It's, it's not easy unless you're prepared. And then another thing too is people think they could just heat up plastic with a hot gun. When you heat up plastic, it, it expands. So just like when you heat up sheet metal, if you put a, a, a torch to sheet metal in one spot, all of a sudden the piece of metal starts to get wonky. It starts to expand, but everything around it is still cold. So if you're going to try and heat up a sheet of plastic, the minute you put the heat gun to it, it'll expand where it's mm, hot, but it's, where it's cold yeah, outside really, of it, it won't.
2: Yeah. So what I've done in the past is, uh, and I just checked it as ABS, and I chose that particular plastic because it doesn't shatter when it bends. Like acrylic will, will shatter, and you don't want sharp pieces of whatever flying around on, on a track. What I've done in the past was uh, I, I sandwiched the, the plastic and – between sheets of plywood, and I'm just putting a 90 degree bend in there, and then I, I, I did take a heat gun perfect. and then heated that whole line, and then oh, it. and I had to put little 45 degree well chamfers on the on the plywood so it would bend in a nice sharp bend, and that
0: worked out really good, and that's what I was planning on mm. doing again.
1: Oh, that's cool. Yeah.
0: I did a little bit of that uh, recently. I made like a helmet from this video game for a prop, and um, it had a face shield. And I needed to bend this piece of plexi around to, to match, the, you know, like kind of the profile of somebody, the front of somebody's face. And um, I have a powder coating oven, which is basically just like a little toaster oven. And I put it in there. And it was interesting because I had forgotten the um, kind of what you're talking about, it getting all wobbly and kind of, you know, getting uh, – have like warped shape to it. And I put this in there uh, just on top of the grate – so there's like a, you know, like a grill surface inside this thing. And I laid it on there thinking, I'm just going to heat it enough to just get it soft. And then I'll take it out and lay it over the helmet to get it folded into the shape. And so the first time I did it, I started heating it. And it heated faster than I expected, because obviously the thickness is going to have a lot to do with that. And so you kind of have to f- play with how quickly to heat it, how much to heat it, and the volume of plastic that you're heating. Anyway, so when I did it in that space, it started to droop. The edges started to droop over the outside of those little grates. And so they were folding in the wrong direction just from gravity. So I pulled it out, tried to flatten that, and then put it back in. But it it took me a few times to realize that I should build up some blocking inside the oven, some, like, higher edges, and then lay the piece of plastic across that, let it heat, and it would naturally start to droop in the center, into the shape that I wanted it to droop into that seems really obvious but in the moment I was kind of thinking down one path of like well I'll just get it soft and then I'll bend it but you can actually let the gravity and the heat do a lot of that initial bend for you by lifting the outside edges this is obviously I was making a curve that's not what you're doing but just if somebody is messing with plastic in an oven uh, it does have you can take advantage of gravity there to kind of do some of that work for you because once you get it bent into that curve, then it's pliable enough that you can take it out and it kind of holds that shape. And then you don't have as much work to do. You don't have as much material to force into shape when you get it out. You know, you're just worried about the, the little details or the sharp bends or the hmm. whatever. So I had to do that a couple of times. I did that for um actually both for helmets. Um the visor for like the the eye piece on the inside of one of the store the stormtrooper helmets. It was weird because it it's only visible this tiny little strip that you see. And so you would expect to cut a small strip of it and then bend it into shape and just kind of glue it on the inside. But the surface that it has to attach to on the inside of this helmet is like a compound crazy curve and there's parts that stick out and there's parts that kind of push in like opposite. So it's not, it's not a single plane. that's like bent so I had to get that piece really, really melty, <laughs> really <laughs> soft, and then pull it out of the oven, stick it inside this thing, and just push it down. And it was kind of weird because, like, all the planning that had to go into it, I had to figure out how to hold the helmet in a way that I could mess with it on the inside and have it not rock around. So I had to build a little pad for it to sit on. I had to figure out how to wear gloves so that I could push on it but not burn my hands. But the gloves couldn't be so big that I couldn't... Like gingerly get it out of the oven and get it into place. And so, it was like a practice like, okay, what do I need for this step? And what do I need for this step? And then melt the plastic, pull it out, lay it in there, flatten it. And so, it took me a couple of times to do that process to get all of the shape in the right place. But even after it cools off, part of the reason I was getting to this, is even after it cools off, there is a little bit of rebound. Especially in a really compound shape like that. So, it took a few like I got it into shape, it cooled off and started to change its shape back a little bit. And then I would have to heat it and kind of reinforce the shape that I wanted it to be into a couple of times before it really uh. stayed there. So,
1: there's a, an interesting uh, thing to be aware of when you put either acrylic or ABS in the oven, if you go just certain past, past a certain critical point, you start to get bubbles in it. And that's obviously really heating it up. So, to avoid that, if you're going to try and bend something that's totally clear, a technique I've seen used is you put it in boiling water or hot water, and uh, it's, it's like chocolate in a double. Just to bring that you know, up. Like, you're not going to burn it. Yeah, so it's something to keep in mind.
2: I was doing some <laughs> research on bending old vinyl records into various shapes because you see people make bowls out of them, and the technique is to just stick it in a bowl of uh, a pot of boiling water, and that'll soften it up, and then you can
0: form that that vinyl record into any shape mm-hmm. you want. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's probably a way more even heat than even an oven because there's air currents and stuff in in ovens. Huh. Interesting. Um, How thick is the plastic that you're going to be working with?
2: It is, um, I think, uh, 0.125 inches thick. What is that, an eighth? Eighth, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I got... um, sheets of beige plastic and then i'm going to finally use my vinyl crafty vinyl cutter i've I've had this thing for years and i've only used it one time and i've got some colored vinyl that i'm going to cut out the number and and the design that i'm putting on the side panel and then i'm going to coat it with a, a few coats of epoxy to protect it mm. that's all that's all that's cool i don't use that vinyl cutter enough
1: i love that oh one. man it's uh, awesome you're talking about yeah. the one that like those vectors and stuff yeah 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 yeah. those things are amazing i was actually thinking about getting a i asked aaron to do some research for me we we're going to try and get like a, a bigger higher quality one that, that like a wider mouth so, so most of get, and they're mm. cheap too you know you can get a really good one for just a few hundred dollars you know you're not looking at a thousand
2: mm-hmm. mm. maybe even cheaper than that um that's yeah
0: yeah, I ended up using mine a lot more than I thought. I was kind of expecting I would just make stickers out of it, like labels for th- Not labels, but like embellishments for things. I ended up using it for uh, making masks more than anything else, being able to cut out a mask for text. Because once you have that vinyl mask and you put it on something, I mean, you can you can yeah. like, sandblast over it. You can use glass etching solution. You can use it as a paint mask. You know, there's like a million ways to use that. Um I've done it for that. Used it a lot for um, adding just stickers to things around the house. Like I'll cut out the kids' names on, hmm. you know, in some fun font, and just like stick it on something, and that's theirs, and they they like that. And so it's uh, handy stuff. Oh, and the so when you you've probably used this before, David, but just in case, um, when you make a sticker on that when you cut it out and you want to transfer, make a transfer sticker to where it's like just the the cutout shape and not the block around it or whatever. You use a masking tape, this uh, kind of masking paper and so you cut out your vinyl shape, you peel away, do the weeding, you take away the stuff that you don't want to have as part of your sticker and then you cut a piece of this masking tape and you lay on top of it. Then when you peel that away, it takes the vinyl with it, then you stick that onto the glass or whatever you want to you put it on, and then you pull the masking tape away again, and it leaves the vinyl positioned where you want it to. So if you have tiny little pieces in your vinyl cut or whatever, they all are moved. S- stays at the same where they. Time. There's also clear yeah. transfer tape too, so you can actually yeah, see where th- you're going. Yeah, that's where I was actually getting to because I started. Re- uh, <laughs> I it's hard to see through the stuff to get it lined up, especially if you're doing like multiple layers and they have the clear stuff. <clears throat> excuse me, that has a grid. Uh, The stuff I got, anyway, has a grid built into it. And that can be really handy for getting lined up. Um, Yeah, if you
1: use the grid, you got to make sure you line it up when you line it
0: down. Yeah. So I got some of the clear stuff to use for the vinyl cutter. But then I also was looking at um, the regular masking tape. It's not masking tape. I don't know what they call it. I guess it's masking paper or whatever. Transfer, transfer tape. Transfer. that's, That's the word I was looking for. So I was looking at that stuff, and on the laser recently, I was looking for a cheaper way to buy material to cut in a laser. So I've been buying the material from Glowforge, which is, oh, it's good material, but it's kind of expensive. And so I ended up looking on Amazon and found this like pack of, um, gosh, I think it's birch, eighth inch birch plywood. And it's like half the cost of getting the pre-finished stuff from Glowforge. And so as a, as a cheap way to like do tests, <clears throat> man, do tests and things on the laser I bought this box of 50 of these pieces Mm -hmm. super cheap but they don't have masking tape on them like when you cut something on the laser you end up with the burning and if you put masking tape down you can peel the burning off with the masking tape so I started looking for transfer tape ran into a transfer tape that's a 12 inch roll that works for the laser stuff and works for vinyl cutters I
2: need that oh that's cool
0: yeah, and it was like, I don't know, 20 bucks for like a 100-foot roll of this 12-inch wide I transfer tape. Yeah, I'll send you a link to it. All right. But so now I have this big roll of, huge roll of tape coming. And it's like, uh, it's a light tack, so it's not super sticky. It's intentionally made for those two things so that it won't stick super hard. So it's going to it's gonna take a little extra time if to test something in the laser because I'll have to take a piece of wood. If the burn marks matter, I'll have to put down the tape over it. You know cut it to size and stuff but um it was kind of interesting just to find one thing that could do both of those jobs cheaper than the specific item for those jobs is so but. i have
2: also purchased the the box of i think it's 50 or maybe 100 sheets of 12 by 12 inch plywood off of amazon and it yep. it was really good quality plywood uh and I, th- I think I've purchased a couple boxes now, and, and it just sits over by the the laser. I find I come to find out that I may have purchased what Kencraft that might be that might come from Kencraft because they do sell on Amazon. And I was like, "Yeah, oh. I bought this box of of eighth inch plywood for the laser cutter." And he's like, "Yeah, we sell that on Amazon." So the, crazy, yeah. It may have gone from Toledo to the Amazon warehouse and back to Toledo <laughs> for me. Um, <laughs> One other thing that you suggested maybe two years ago are the silver sharpie markers. I use those all the time. Uh, they are absolutely yeah. perfect. Like the black markers are not good for especially like metalworking because you can't see it. The silver sharpies still one one of your best picks ever.
0: Mm. They it, I, I still like the silver ones. They do get gunked up pretty easily. Like if the metal is dirty, though. And so I find that um, chalk pens or paint pens end up I, – mm. I keep those around more than the silver ones because the silver ones will work and then they just kind of stop, gotcha. you know, they get gunked and whatever. But um, I, somebody gave me at – oh, it's, it's actually right here. Somebody gave me one of the Revmark pens, which I don't think – I don't know if they're like – I don't know what kind of material it is. It may just be like a Sharpie-like thing. But there's a bright orange one, and it actually... Yeah, those writes, are great. I've
1: been using them. They write super really well. well
0: on steel yeah. um, or any dark out. thing. So, yeah, these are handy. Say that name again? Revmark. R-E-V-M-A-R-K. You probably
1: got that at WorkbenchCon where mm-hmm. I got mine. Yeah,
0: yeah I have the, um, the guy. Milwaukee
2: white paint marker, and it feels like every time I go to use it, I, it doesn't write, and I'm always like in a position where I'm like holding something and I just need to write real quick and I can't let go of the thing. And, you know, because it's you have to press down on there to get the the paint to flow through. So it it never works when I want it to work.
0: Um, I started working with uh, another material that I haven't um, used since college, and that was foam core. And anybody who's not familiar with foam core, it's basically just like a thin layer of rigid foam. It's not dense, but it's just a, it's solid. And it's got paper backing on both sides of it. And you'll I mean, everybody's seen it. People use it for posters and stuff like that. It's a, something very crafty that often you can find in any, you know, at the grocery store, you can find it in the little section where they have crayons and stuff like that. Um, when I was in college, we used a ton of foam core in, in art school. We use it for backing. To put artwork on, you use it to make little models out of stuff. And uh, Josh and I were at some dollar store or something not too long ago, and we found a little pack of it. And so he picked some up because he was like, oh, this will be handy to have around, you know, to make mock ups of stuff. And so that got me thinking about it. And then I was doing this project that'll be out in a few weeks where I needed to build some custom, uh, like, separator, like parts bin kind of dividers. Within something, And they were going to be kind of temporary. Like, they needed to be able to change. So I wasn't going to do them out of wood because I didn't want to worry about the time and the cost to, to make them. Like, oh, I'll just use foam core. So I started looking on Amazon for foam core, assuming that there would be other colors. But I'd only ever used it in white. There's like a billion colors of foam core. <laughs> it's just paper. So, obviously, they can color it however they want to. But I hadn't even, like, considered... The fact that you could get it in any color and then just use that as an internal material for something or for, you know, like, I don't know. There's a million uses for it because it's really inexpensive. It's you cut it with a utility knife. You don't need to use anything else. So I spent this past week cutting a lot of it and piecing it together and found a few things out about it that I had forgotten since college was a really, really long time ago. One, you have to have a super sharp knife. Like, if your blade is dull at all, it will just tear the foam on the inside rather than cut it, you know? And so you end up with these nasty curves or nasty edges. But if you get a nice sharp blade, it's a super smooth edge. And it doesn't look super finished because it's foam surrounded by paper. But it looks all right. And especially, like, a couple feet away. Like, you, you know, it looks fine as long as you have a sharp blade. The other thing is hot glue so i use I've used hot glue to put the stuff together before, and it totally works and that's what I ended up using on this project. but I'd forgotten that I never had a hot no, it's the foam uh, yeah, I never had a high temp hot glue gun in college. I had like the little crafty, cheap one, which is a lot lower temperature, and so like man you if you have a high temp gun, you have to be really careful because that foam will just disappear <laughs> and so I yeah. it took a little you know, trial and error to figure out how to get the cuts how I wanted them to be and to get the joints to be not melted from the gun but eventually I got this down and made some really nice little containers um, and I, I played with how to finish the edge because there's a bunch of different ways that you can finish those cut edges if you don't want them exposed uh, some people who make uh, model airplanes with the stuff will take an iron they have these little tiny irons and they will roll it over the cut edge, and it melts the plas- or melts the foam on the inside and rolls the paper over it. Hmm. And so you end up with kind of a bullnose, kind of rounded edge. But And I played with it. And I guess you could get really good at it, but it's very <laughs> difficult to <laughs> get it to be even and get it to really close up like you wanted it to, like I wanted it to. Um, so you can do that to finish the edge. Uh, you can seal it with hot glue or something like that, which doesn't look as good, but it does protect the edge from being beat up as much. I ended up, the, the test that I like the most, and I didn't do this in the project, but I just took a piece of gaff tape and cut it down, which is like a kind of a paper, papery tape that's really sticky and useful in a lot of things. And I cut down a strip that was a little bit wider, maybe three times as wide as the board itself, and then laid it down over the cut edge and just wrapped the edge. And so I did black gaff tape on black foam core. And it's not perfect. You can see it up close. But again, from like a foot or two feet away, it looks like a perfectly black finished edge. And so this, I got this box of 12 by 24 pieces. I think that's what it was, 18 by 24, something like that. And I got a package of, gosh, I'm going to say 15 of them. Hang on, now I gotta look it up because I don't wanna lie. They were not expensive at all. Um, and 13 cents. It was more than that, but it wasn't very much. Anyway, I'll, I'll try to Eight find the, the cost just so everybody knows how much they were. And wait, wait, it's right, wait, it's oh. right here. It's a pack of 15, 20 inches by 30 inches, bigger than I thought, and it was $45. 15 of these boards, and they're 3 sixteenths thick, so they come in all different sizes, all different colors, and stuff like that, but especially if you're looking for um, like a, a really inexpensive material that you don't have to have any tools to other than a knife uh, it's a pretty good one to check out
2: about a year ago, I did a video done. of the foam core, and I made a I, I veneered the whole thing with wood veneer so it looks like this little, little oh, yeah. wooden box, all done with a utility knife, I really thought like this was the video that was going to go viral like make this wooden box with only a utility knife um, whenever you think that that it never happens but uh and it it came out really good i hold my little leather supplies in there it it doesn't feel like a wood box cuz it's super light but when you look at it 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 looks perfectly fine so there's there's another way of of finishing the the foam core is just get some veneer or even glue some fabric on there you could you know cut some sheets of leather or fabric and, and veneer it that way too.
1: Some foam core techniques that I used to use, uh, I worked at a prop shop when we, we would make props for parties. So they were all disposable props that we just use for a weekend party. But uh, interesting techniques that we would employ, I actually use used it also for prototyping some toy stuff when I'm just doing like breadboard modeling. When you put a slice in foam core or even cardboard, a lot of people make the assumption you bend away from the slice to make a corner. But in fact, if you slice it and then bend to the slice, you end up with a really nice finished round corner with paper around it. It works the same thing on on corrugated board too, where if you put a little razor slice in it and you bend to the razor slice, it it forces the material to soften right there and you get a nice crisp bend. So there's a technique. But working with foam core and, and again, even corrugated board with sewing pins. You could just use a PVA glue or, or an Elmer's glue that would dry white or clear rather and build up something with that. And then use pins because the hot glue will certainly become frustrating because you're waiting for things to, to cure. And the, your, your core is starting to t- deteriorate that. And then that was when I've talked about the technique over, over years where you just use a can of compressed air and hold it upside down and the, the Freon will immediately freeze the, The glue joint, but I really do utilize just regular wood glue and paper or wood glue and cardboard a lot. And you'd be surprised how fast you could move through a project. It seems like you'd have to let it dry for a really long time, but when you glue a paper product, well, because foam core it has that foam inside and it doesn't really absorb the water. It does take a little bit longer, but when you're using cardboard and corrugated, the moisture in the glue gets absorbed quickly and you end up with a with a quicker joint than you would assume
0: yeah i actually did some tests with pva thinking because i saw somebody else talk about that and it was just gonna take too much time for the amount of it that i had to do and so the hot glue was kind of a more of a quick thing even though it wasn't ideal
1: and another, another good couple of materials to consider, too, if you're going to use board like that. Did you guys ever play with gator board? Do you know what gator board is? It's like foam core, but like on steroids. No. You can get gator board up to two inches thick. It's foam core. It's In a sense, it's foam core, but the the, the skin on either side is no longer paper. It's kind of like a mica. It's kind of weird. But the uh-huh. inside is a dense foam, mm. and gator board is fantastic. You could really make cool things. It's great for CNCing. It's amazing for CNC. It's really mostly used in the display business, but it's great to have around. And then there is um, and fairly cheap. Yeah, I mean, you can get like a four by eight sheet. It depends on how thick it is, but you know, it could run into the hundreds of dollars the thicker you get. But it's great stuff for an interior sign job. Um, and then what, what else is there? They're talking about CNC on the same subject, there's a thing called King Board. King King Color. It's uh, actually April's been using it for her decimal mar- uh, signs. Where the interior uh, yeah. is white and the exterior is red, that's, no, that's not foam core though, that's completely uh, polypropylene material. It's meant to last forever, and it's, mm. it, it's, you see now a lot of like signs in public parks are made out of it, where it's green, and then they see and see through that surface into the white, and so you have like a bright letter shows through. That's king color board, that's a different board than the foam core and the gator board altogether. There was another material I was going to mention. I can't remember what it was. Oh, this Corian. Have you guys ever played with Corian? CNC and Corian. I've seen you do it's it, so, but I've never. It's I've so, never so had beautiful. Any of it. It's it's great. It's like it, it's got no grain to it. You could heat it. You could bend it, and you could. It, it's it's amazing. And you could buy it on eBay. You could buy like one foot squares of it on eBay. I used it for a couple of kitchen jobs, and they are super expensive. Like a four by it doesn't come in four by eight sheets. It comes in thirty two by twelve feet, quarter inch or half inch, and it, it could be as much as thousand dollars a sheet because you know what it's used for depends on the color you pick and we were using Hmm. we were using this color that was translucent because we were shining light through it it was really beautiful i still have scraps of it laying around but corian is great and buy it in small scraps Uh, like a corian shop never throws away the pieces because you can patch a table or add a piece to it and the corian glue that comes with it that you'd have to buy separate is the exact color of it. So you could make up any shape and glue it together with this. Really, it's really toxic. This glue. It's a, an epoxy. Comes in, in like a mixed tip thing, and when it cures, it's exactly the same color. You buy the that particular color code, and you buy the color coded glue, and no seams. It's, uh, amazing. No seams whatsoever. <clears throat> in fact, I told this story a couple times. We had a. I made a Corian cabinet that, when I did one of these jobs. And we couldn't figure out how to get it into the apartment because the architects didn't think about it. They just gave me the specs. I built it. Then I went to the site and I'm like, the cabin's not going to fit in the building. It doesn't fit through the front door. It won't fit in the elevator. It won't fit up the stairs. And uh, we were actually going to rent a crane to pick it up to put it into the third floor apartment. And it just occurred to me, I'm like, it's made out of Corian. Let me just cut it in half. I cut the cabinet in half with a handsaw. <laughs> We brought it we brought it into the space and I glued it right back together right on the seam with the glue. We let it cure for about five hours. I came back the next day and me and Dave Welder we sanded the seam completely away. I cut it in a very inconspicuous spot. I didn't cut it like right at the eye line. We took the door off, so I cut it through the cabinet itself, not necessarily through the door. And um, it worked perfect. Huh. So hmm. But for CNCing, I don't know how Corian lasers. I don't know if it even does laser. I'd be, I could experiment with the piece I have. I've never tried that, but I did use cast acrylic. My buddy owns a my buddy owns a, a a door store. He makes he manufactures doors for hotels and stuff. A door factory, and he buys ten foot sheets of acrylic, and he buys this stuff that's like thirty dollars a square foot. That's like cast acrylic. It's it's not regular acrylic that you might get from a Home Depot. It's cast. So it, in its way, it feels a little bit like Corian. And when you laser etch it, the, the 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 net result is no burn. It's just powder. So you laser etch, and then you pick it up, and you blow it off, and you have a nice, deep, beautiful, no-burn-like etching. I did a couple of years ago, I did this thing for the guys at uh, Depeche Mode and I, I laser etched a cube with all yeah. their. It was kind of a hokey video. I was when I was making gifts for the green room at the Brooklyn Auditorium, and they're like, "Depeche Mode's coming. What can we do?" And I'm like, "I, I don't know." I came up with this hokey lamp idea where like their main lyrics were etched into like all sides of this cube, and but that was that material that I used. So you can look up the uh, Depeche Mode cube, and you can see that that stuff in hmm. in use.
0: Well, what else? What's another interesting material stuff. or non? You know,
1: wood? you know, uh, you can get foam core with you can get foam core or gator board with aluminum on it. That's a great stuff too. Again, more more real sign display stuff. So you can get a gator board with like a thin aluminum on it, and you make a sign. It looks like you made it out of aluminum, but the aluminum is you know just a couple of microns thick on the edge, but it's backed by this mica tile material. So when you cut it and laser cut, or rather CNC it, it looks like you've made aluminum. You might have to finish the edge with black paint or something.
0: So what's the interior of Gatorboard? <laughs> it's like a high-dense foam. It like a, like a, an, an indoor-outdoor kind of foam? or uh, I think, yeah, some of it is
1: indoor-outdoor. There's nice. this other stuff I wish I could... Uh, Aaron just had a, a bunch of uh, pieces of it that he saved. He got it from the factory. I wish I could remember the name of this stuff, but it's like... It's again it's for CNCing or machining and it comes in various densities and it's almost like the best way to describe it if you guys have ever used Bondo auto body filler it's like a chunk of auto body filler that's already obviously you get it cured in like a, a chunk and it comes in various densities I wish I could remember that it's like polyurethane polyurethane block mm-hmm. I know you I can't go on my computer while I'm on the internet because it always interferes with my call recorder but um if you can look up a polyurethane chunk (laughs) google polyurethane (laughs) chunk all caps on the chunk I'm
0: just imagining somebody like okay we have this new product what are we going to call it I don't know polyurethane chunk yeah sounds good let's do it (laughs) Um, Dan
2: and I were talking a while ago PU different densities and we and he thinks that uh, concrete is probably the most per pound the most cost-effective material that you can get because you can get like a 50 pound bag for whatever it is five six bucks you can't get can you get any other material for that cheap because i mean Mm. even your cheapest piece of plywood is going to be 30 bucks or whatever so yeah concrete can be a very cheap material to work with
1: that reminds me, of the, I, you guys listen to 99% Invisible. They do a story on an architect who died of coronavirus, so they do a story. He's the guy that designed the Boston Town Hall, which apparently is like a big eyesore. It's a brutalist architecture made in all concrete. And uh, there's a real snobby British architect who gives uh, a bunch of facts about concrete. And one of them is it's like the second most used material like in, in the entire world. I don't know what number one is, but... <laughs> Maybe you would, mm. but um, you know it's like the second most consumed material in like in human existence. Concrete. Mm. So I don't know. Anyway, listen to ninety nine percent invisible about the architect that designed the Boston City Town Hall. Hmm.
2: Um, Interesting. And another great material for prototyping, especially if you have a CNC, is the uh, the pink or purple, depending on your perspective, the insulation foam board, like that mm-hmm. you can get from like a home depot or lowe's and that comes in uh, a half inch inch two inch thick and so you can really oh yeah that stuff is that. great yeah
1: when i was a student i would steal it out of dumpsters walking around the city because every construction site has it they use it for you know either for padding or obviously it's meant for insulation it get used for that as well but there's always scraps of it in dumpsters at like a big city construction site always mm. Mm -hmm. And that's where I used to grab it all the time. And then when I saw it in the store, I'm like, oh, wow, they sell it to regular people. (laughs) Destruction. This is like in the, you know, in the 90s, like in 90, 90, 89, 90. That's when I had that sense of discovery. (laughs) It's
0: 30 years ago. It's also good to cut, like to use as a base if you're going to be cutting wood with a a circular saw. Mm -hmm. And you don't have a way to get it off the ground. Just lay it on top of a sheet of that. And yeah Cut or a jigsaw it.
1: too i did that a couple of times i saw that technique somewhere and then i used that it's great hmm. see it's good to have it it's, it's like like a like a bench protector in a way too mm-hmm. so you're gonna throw some heavy stuff down
2: do not use it as a protective sheet for spray painting i did that the other day i was spray <laughs> painting some oh, it parts <laughs> and the spray paint just
1: eats away at it and uh <laughs> smells bad i got a good technique okay i got a good technique If you want, and I did this, I learned this by accident, I I made a sign, I I big saw a band saw the sign, it was a script letter, I laid it on styrofoam, and I said, I know it's going to melt, I don't care, and I just spray painted it really quick, and everything that got paint on it melted, and when I took the sign off, the sign looked Mm -hmm. like it was like the edge of a cliff raised up, so there's a technique for you model makers. There you go. You do like a tra- lay like a piece of track on there or, you know, a piece of wood that represents the track, spray paint it, and it'll melt away the
0: Okay. So I was getting ready to say my experience with that was when I was a kid, I had a uh, model railroad and I would try I built like the landscape around, you know, you'd make these little hills out of chicken wire and paper mache, and then you'd make some water out of epoxy or whatever. And I tried to cut these little rocks, the boulders, out of styrofoam with a utility knife and then paint them gray. As soon as they painted them, they just disappeared because they got eaten <laughs> up by the paint. <laughs> but the thing that you just said would be awesome if you had a model railroad because you could actually lay out a mask where you wanted a raised track to be on a big, th- yeah. thick piece of foam and then spray it. And then you'd have like a raised Please do this outside track berm. Like, yeah. Oh man, that'd be cool. Yeah. Please do this. Outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to take
2: the uh, tester's model glue when I was a kid, I used to put a lot models together quite a bit. And I had testers model glue. And I would just write my name into, like, styrofoam packaging and just l- watch it eat away. That's <laughs> <and it's> probably <laughs> why my brain
1: doesn't work correctly these days is from <laughs> my childhood. The testers. Mm. I remember as a kid, those tester paints, grabbing the bottle with a pair of ice grips and grabbing the cap with a pair of ice grips and going...
0: Yeah, and then the bottle just disintegrates. From <laughs> broken glass. <laughs> well, um, any other materials come to mind that are out of the norm that you use or have used?
1: Hmm. I use I use cardboard all the time for like today. I'm going to make the floors for the old Cadillac, and I'm going to go out there with some big broad pieces of cardboard and uh, probably some masking tape and lay out the panels that I need to cut out of cardboard so there's a lot of non-traditional materials you use for means to an end mm-hmm. traditional materials
2: there's some famous chairs made out of cardboard just a whole bunch of of layers of oh yeah, yeah. i've there. seen
1: them at the museum of modern art yeah. uh, i did uh i made the the folding bench was my my most recent video i posted this weekend we didn't talk about and... that Oh, <laughs> you can talk about that it, bench. benches but, is so I, cool. but that. I made the prototype i made the very first prototype it's all on my instagram stories in my flashbacks, I made the very first prototype out of a, a, ha- a wire hanger and a piece of cardboard that I hot glued together. And I just was, I just wanted to understand the mechanism. And one of my European fans, this morning we went back and forth on. He said, he goes, "This is just a rendition of something that already exists." Because I really wanted to see the the rest of version of it. He was being complimentary, and I was like, "He goes, this is exactly the same one online." And I was like, "Could you please show it to me?" Because I've searched, I can't find it, and sure is. Sure enough, I was going to say sure, SH, <laughs> sure, sure enough, he sent me a link to some company that manufactures one in kind of bent metal steel, but it looks like I saw that and then designed mine. Mm. Hmm. the end of the day, it's about making things your own anyway. So I I put in the description, this is not my invention. I don't know who did invent it, but I'm making my own version of it. But I started looking, my my research started with a wooden prototype one, or a wooden one made out of two by fours. It looks just very clumsy and clunky. And they're all over the internet. They've been around for the last six or seven years I've been seeing them. And so when Lincoln came to me and said, let's do a spring summer thing, maybe a garden bench. And I thought, of, oh, why don't we do one that folds? I haven't seen that one made in metal and I googled it and I only see the ones that kind of flip back where like it's the seat just kind of it's like it's metal surrounding wood but the the back of the seat where your back would go like flips forward and then you turn your your legs around and sit into the seat I don't know if you know what I'm talking about then two of those together make a picnic table Mm. that's the only one I could find but anyway it's it's he I asked him in the description to provide a link and he did so you'll see that if anybody goes in searching for it. It's in the comment section. But yeah, that was a fun build. And it was quick. It only took me three days to make that. I started last Wednesday. I finished on Friday afternoon. Hmm. That's a fun one. But the prototyping process was fun because I, was, I just started with bent wire, hot glue, and just some cardboard that was you know, just sitting around in the garbage. And it was really just to get an understanding of what was going on. Because when I see those, I'm like, oh, those pivot points all look complicated and uh, so that was why I had to make my own and then I made a laser cut version of it and then I made a, a giant CNC version of it really just the profile because once the profile works and then you know, in reality we just extrude it not, not on fusion but in reality I extrude it and just make two sides of it make a mirrored image of it and connect them
0: so. cool yeah I haven't watched that one yet but it's in my list for sure Well, uh, let me go ahead and thank our Patreon supporters, who are awesome and uh, help us out a whole lot. There's a big list of people over there, and we're thankful for everybody. But the top of the list, the people that help us out the most are Corey Ward, Works by Solo, Chad from ManCrafting, Maker and Training, FunKist Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, You Can Make This Too, Odin Leather Goods, Jenny and Davis, and Albers Woodworks. So thank you to them and everybody else. Uh, If you... If you help us out on Patreon, then you get the After Show, which is another little separate feed of us talking, and we do it immediately after this show. So sometimes mm-hmm. it's related, sometimes it's not. Hmm. Sometimes, sometimes. But if you want to help us out, go to patreon.com slash And If you don't, that's fine, too. I don't mm-hmm. really care. I mean, I care, mm-hmm. but it's... <laughs> I, anyway, move ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you guys have to recommend? Anything cool? I... I got one. I yep. got
1: one. So if you guys don't know uh, Moonshine Metalworks, my friend Steve. Steve has come and stayed with me a few times. He's on Fools of Tools podcast with Brett. Brett, Brett McAfee. Um, Steve and the guy he works for, Alex Pohl. You guys, well, uh, 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 Bob, you met Alex Paul. We made nails with him. Your wife made nails with him last mm-hmm. year, this time last year yep. at Maker Central. Alex Paul came here and taught a class. And, and in fact, I'm, I'm holding right here. I'm showing you guys. One of the nails that alex made while he was here at the class Big there's man. an old tradition with there's an old tradition with blacksmiths it's like anytime you meet a blacksmith you give him one of your nails because alex told me this the nail basically is like a here here's my nail if you could do a good nail it kind of represents your body of work or you know your skill set and so alex gave me one and his assistant joe gave me one which is really beautiful it has like a little anvil on the head which oh, what? is what we, we were making okay, on the plasma crazy. cutter
0: that's crazy
1: yeah isn't that beautiful and then here i'm showing an arrowhead that joe made joe is, is Alex's assistant wow. and steve so uh joe alex and steve have done a channel called the forge and it represents uh techniques in blacksmithing five minutes little documentary style and it's the first video's up and out, and it's about nail making, which is special to me because the week before, I made nails for my giant mallet for the first time ever, and it's great. So it's called The the Forge is the name of the channel, and uh, were you able to find it? It's, it's, they only have one video up, I yep. think. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, go check that out and give those guys some love and support. Alex is an amazing blacksmith. He came here, he taught the the... the English axe head making class and just the techniques it, it, we had nine people that never really blacksmithed ever and making a complicated axe head and those guys everybody left with a with an axe head you know varying degrees of perfection but it was it was great so, if you went from never blacksmithing to making an axe head it's crazy
0: so when I was at Maker Central last year and they had their thing set up their whole system you could come in and they would teach you how to make a nail and then you would get to make one and they just like funneling people through the whole time and we barely had time to get in there right at the end they kind of like let us cut in line and my wife and i both made nails and they were telling us that when you go to work for a blacksmith and i don't know if the numbers are right so forgive me but they said when you go to work for a blacksmith day one the whoever you're working for says make me a hundred nails and so you have to sit there and you make 100 nails and then you take them a box yeah. of 100 nails and they don't even look at them. They just dump them out and they say, go make me 100 more. And they do that. For okay. like- he talks about that in the video. Oh, do they? Okay. He talks about they do that a little like bit. Yeah, a little 10 bit. or 12 days in a row or something before they even start looking <laughs> at the quality of the nails. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Yeah.
1: Great. Yeah. He talks about that a little bit. And, you know, how on a good day uh, uh, he said. I, I don't know. He said that he can make like ten a minute, some crazy thing. But that's like with with power hammers and you yeah. know, several irons in the fire. But I don't know. He, he he talks about the varying degrees of you know how you can do these. A lot of them.
0: It's crazy. Pretty wild. David, what you got? Uh,
2: this video from Ron Covell. It's from it's the video is called Bending Machine Basics. I think this came after watching Jimmy's video a couple weeks ago, and. Uh, I had no idea of all the different um, beatings and bendings you could do with with this machine. This guy. Oh, sheet metal? This is sheet metal. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, this, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy's an artist, and he what Whoa. he does is phenomenal. Bob, did you find it? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, um, and there's not a, a lot of videos on his channel. Uh I wish he did more but he he looks like he is phenomenal at what he does and it's just even I don't have one of those machines and I probably won't get one anytime soon but it's a really fun video to,
0: to watch just to see what is possible with with that machine. Sweet. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Um all right, so mine is a new show on Disney Plus that we just started watching. Um it's called Prop Culture. And it may not be f- for a everybody, name. but <laughs> um, it's... Uh, and we've only watched one episode, but I'm excited about a few of the other ones. But basically, there's this guy, and he is a prop collector and I think has worked in uh, film and television for a long time and stuff. But he basically goes back through famous Disney movies and tries to figure out what happened to the props. And so some of them have completely... Um, Disappeared, deteriorated, whatever you know. But then sometimes he finds them and tracks them down and figures out different things about them and reunites actors with props that they used, you know, 40 years ago or whatever. But they also walk through the Disney archives. At least in the episode that we watched, they walked through, and you you get to see them pass these like, oh, that's the thing from the thing, the you know, that's the, that's the cool. piece that are in. I'm really excited about watching the rest of it. I really enjoyed the first one. Because you get to see the um, – in the one we watched, you got to meet a lot of the people who made the props and made the costumes. And like I said, it's like 40 years later or something. So they get to interact with their own artwork from a really long time ago in their lives, and that's pretty cool to see. So go check that out um, if you got Disney+. And there's actually another show that I haven't seen yet because it just came out today, but it's called The Gallery. And it's about the Mandalorian, which was the Star Wars show that came out. But it's a making of, it's a behind the scenes show. So it's just about how they made it. And I'm super excited, not only because it's Star Wars, but because I love behind the scenes stuff. And they came up with an entirely new, well, they didn't come up with it. They used an entirely new mechanism for filming the show. They have this 360 degree LED panel room. That's huge and so they used the unreal engine which is a video game engine to generate the scenes around the actors so they weren't like green screen blue screen stuff they actually could see 360 degrees the space that they were in in the show and they filmed it that way that's bonkers i mean so i'm really excited about seeing how they do that
2: the led screen is that replaced in the in that in the Final cut, or is that part of the, the the filming?
0: No, I think it's part of the actual filming. Okay. I'm not that positive. I haven't seen the show yet, but um, crazy, yeah, yeah. I've seen some stills from it, and just the little trailer for this show, and it just looks wild. It's it's insane. So a lot I, of it's like rendered in real time, you know. So they can they could. Uh, one of the points that they said was that, like, you know, we we needed to shoot something at dusk or dawn, one of the two and if we were shooting outside we would have to film for a, a short amount of time and then wait till tomorrow and he was like now we can have a 24 hour yeah. dawn or yeah. dusk or whatever we just as long as we need it just crazy i i learned
2: something recently i mean it's probably common knowledge but it's not it's something i've never even thought about but like movies for for decades like we used to people driving in cars is it's a projection on the background it's not uh it's not like a in a lot of cases it's not a green screen it's a projection where there's just a screen and the uh, the film projector is on the other side of the screen so you're actually seeing it it come through and it kind of gives a more realistic type of 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 feel does Mm. that does that make sense and then people will be moving lights um across the car so it looks like there's reflections in the glass and and everything I don't know I've I've just seen recreations of of car scenes and it looks really really cool and had no idea it was done that way
0: see that's interesting because right there like uh, the people who are driving the car they're moving lights to affect the actors right so that their shadows and their highlights are changing there's a scene in the Mandalorian I know you guys aren't into the show and into Star Wars and stuff but it is a beautifully shot really incredible show Uh, like just the mechanics of it. And he has his helmet is this, this reflective metal. It's not Chrome, but it's, you know, you can see reflection in his helmet. And so if you were filming that in any other situation, every single thing Mm. in the studio would be reflected in his helmet. But there's a scene in one of the shots where he's walking through a Canyon. And so he has walls on both sides And you can see the sky above him reflected in his helmet, and he's about to be attacked. And so you see this little reflection of a guy jump across the canyon above him, and you see the guy reflected in his helmet. And that's the only indication that something bad is about to happen, and it's awesome. And then to come to realize that all they did was project that on the ceiling, and his helmet naturally reflected that projection from i'm like oh (laughs) these people totally know what they're doing and it's genius anyway i love this type of stuff like coming up with really creative ways to make something like that absolutely believable it it gets me really excited so i'm gonna go watch that show today um but that's that's what i got you guys got anything else for this week cool all right well thanks for listening just one thing Uh, uh, one thing I talked
1: about it before. Just one more recommendation. Go check out the Samson Boat Company where Leo Sampson is rebuilding this old boat. Does anybody watch this? He's on episode 72. Started three years ago. Leo Sampson Boat Company. He's rebuilding this boat. And like for the first like 20 episodes, it was like, you're really going to rebuild this boat? And now he's like, he, he's, not, he's not past the middle, but he's like well on his way. And it is an incredible boat that would have been built probably by a crew of like 100 tradesmen and he's doing it with like volunteers and himself it's unbelievable and at this point he's replaced nearly every single piece of the boat so there's that old thing of like if you repair something and solely replace every single piece of it is it the same thing (laughs) i think he brings that up in one of his conversations (laughs) 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 we talked about that right
0: you just built a boat anyway, from so the inside out, out, it sounds like.
1: The Samson Boat Company. It's just, <clears throat> there's a lot of learning going on. There. There's a lot of technique, a lot of dovetailing, woodwork, bending, band sawing, chain sawing. Great.
0: Cool. Right on. All right. Well, uh, I guess that's it for this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. And go. we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Love you. Love
1: you. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Say
0: bye. Love you. I love you.
1: I love you. Goodbye.
0: Oh.